Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fit Literate Podcast. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Laura. And today <laughs> we are going to be talking about a uh, a very large, powerful, popular person in the fitness industry. And um, we are excited and we are nervous for this one. Laura, how are you feeling? Um, I'm a little antsy. We, we've already gotten worked up just sort of preparing to go into recording mode. Um, and worked up in a, in a elevated heart rate, palm, sweaty arm spaghetti kind of way. Like this is not the kind of, uh, clarifying anger that we have for people like Andy Frazella. This is someone who's a little closer to the world of fitness we operate in. Someone who we think has had, some really positive contributions, which makes it uh, 10 times more painful to kind of examine the harm that's come along with that. So. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a lot of like, yeah, there's a lot of like mixed emotions um, because I think Mm. we both have a personal history with this person's um, content. And so it just hits a little closer to home. So uh, Laura, do you you want to do the honors and tell the listeners? I'm going to take a page from our book, Carolyn. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls love nuance. And that's what we need a lot of today. (laughs) That is right. That is right. Gorgeous, gorgeous girls do love nuance. So Laura, do you want to um, do the honors and tell everybody who we're talking about today? Today, we're going to do a deep dive on Cassie Ho, who you might know better as Blogilates, um, who has been kind of the reigning queen of the social media fitness space for 12 years. Um, I don't know how much more I want to say before we dive into it. Can you think of anything else, Carolyn? Uh, Yeah, she has been a a very, very influential person in like the online fitness industry. Like she, she was one of the original like fitness influencers, um, in a way you could say, and one of the first people to really build a very successful online based fitness business. So, um, yeah, that's who we are talking about. And Laura is going to be starting us off, um, kind of just talking about what, Cassie's doing on the internet right now. Um, so for those of you who have never heard of her, this is basically what you would see if you like went to any of her social media pages like today. I have a question for you before you dive into that, Carolyn. When is the first time you remember mm-hmm. seeing a piece of Blogilates content? I'm interested. And where? Like oh, what, I what mean, was it? I was very, very into YouTube um, when I was a teenager. So I was, I was like very much on YouTube, like around the time that she started. Um, and I was also getting into like fitness around that same time too, because of my involvement in martial arts and um, mm. like doing kind of body weight style movements and stuff. What was very much a part of the training that I did. So I don't have a specific memory, um, but when I went back and, and looked at her old content, a lot of the like first videos that are on her page, I recognize them. Like I recognize the thumbnails. So even though I don't like remember the specific instance where I first saw her content, it must have been in like 
2010, maybe as late as 2011, but I was definitely still in high school and I definitely found it because I was looking for uh, workout videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. For me, it was, I'm going to say like 2011, 2012, definitely high school and Pinterest was the place that I was introduced to the blog Aladdis verse. Um, I think in that time, well, we'll get into that later, but it was the, the little cartoon, like Pilates graphics, those little workout infographics that were all over Pinterest. Do you remember that with like the squat challenges? I do. All very cute. So I think that honestly is a pretty good example of how widespread this empire is. Um, before we, (laughs) I'm going to have to really, really put my analysis hat away because I'm going to have something to say about everything I'm about to tell you, but let's just look at the numbers for a second. So Cassie has been, uh, producing content at least seriously for the past 12 years. Um, which honestly, in terms of the influencer life cycle is like really long. That is a really, really long time to be producing content at the rate and scope that she is. Um, She has over 6 million followers on YouTube. She has, um, it's not loading for me. There we go. She has 285,000 followers on Pinterest with 10 million monthly views. Uh, She has 2.8 million followers on TikTok. She has 2.3 million followers on her personal Instagram page. Then her activewear line, PopFlex, has 359,000 followers of its own. Her comics page, which are literally little like BuzzFeed style cartoons of her talking about health and fitness and weight loss and exercise and diet, that's up to 571,000 followers. Um, wow. Her app uh is up to 147,000 followers and pop pilates itself which i believe from what i can tell is her branded style of pilates that's the quote unquote official pilates of 24 hour fitness is up to 237,000 followers um so i think it's fair to say that's that's an empire that's a lot <laughs> yeah i would i would have to agree she's she is a very big part of the fitness industry for sure. And a lot of people know who she is. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of people, even if maybe they couldn't put a face or a name, a lot of people have interacted with the Blogilates brand or active, her activewear line, whether they know it or not. Uh, she has mm-hmm. a huge line of products in Target. I think that was in the 2020 zone I don't have an exact date on that um but so let's let's just dive in if I'm on her Instagram right now and in her grid we're seeing things like a seven-day glow-up program we're seeing summer sculpt we're seeing 21-day tone we're seeing her printable printables wow that I don't think I've ever said that word out loud before um seven-day abs uh, her own filters, uh, coverage of her wedding. We're seeing her designs for her activewear line for bags and hats. We're seeing lots of before and after photos of Cassie herself. We're seeing really one-off quick 
uh, fitness tips about, you know, a hamstring stretch or a simple tricep exercise. Um, and I will say what I noticed is that a lot of this content is repurposed between platforms. Um, she has a very, very consistent, um, voice let's call it across platforms. There are a lot of creators that I follow who save maybe chattier lifestyle vlog content for their YouTube channel. And then on TikTok, they're a little more funny, meme a little more conversational. And then Instagram is more of a resume slash outreach slash community building platform for them. Um, and Cassie is really consistent across every single platform um, and across every single video where it's the same products being pushed, the same style of exercise videos. The only difference I would say is on her YouTube channel where there are longer form follow along videos as well. Um, I think we should say she's a Pilates instructor and a group fitness instructor. That's something I think I've left out um, so far. But right now, the thing that's being most heavily documented is her 90-day journey, which I will, I think you'll probably cover the first 90-day journey, Carolyn. But right now, Cassie is heavily documenting a 90-day journey to build muscle is the goal. The, the thesis is not super clear to me, but this is inspired by her past in the bodybuilding world, which she has pegged as something that wasn't actually healthy for her that set her off on um, a path of maybe some disordered habits of um, mindset issues around fitness. She pins it as body dysmorphia. Um, so she is now taking that style of training, that bodybuilder style of training, and sort of quote unquote doing it for her. Her goal right now is to, she says, be the strongest she can be and build her best physique. And so that's the journey that she's taking her followers along on right now. Um, I watched her story this morning and she was sharing links to her exact workouts and her exact meal plans. Um, and then also, you know, plugging these products, her um, bags and leggings and all of that, linking to the Blogilates blog as well, which is a little harder to get exact stats on. But, uh, you know, there's that that cross promotion happening there. So theoretically, I suppose if you were finding Cassie right now, you'd be following along on this 90 day journey. Um, you're being lightly encouraged to sort of join her on this journey and she's sharing uh, really nitty gritty statistical updates about body fat percentage and uh, muscle that she's gained um, and all the while responding to a lot of more negative commentary about you know people attacking her credibility or people saying that you know this isn't the way to get what she wants or people saying why are you doing this to yourself or people um complaining about things like her gym bag has a bow on it just kind of the general <laughs> internet bullshit oh um so yeah that's kind of that's kind of the rundown I, her youtube channel which i think is kind of her home base i know she considers that kind of the beginning of her platform um is mostly 
YouTube Shorts, which I guess I will provide a little bit of analysis here and say that YouTube Shorts are being like heavily pushed by the YouTube algorithm now to as a TikTok competitor. Um, it's and, essentially just oh, I'm really just the same to, thing as TikTok and Reels, right? Just on YouTube. Yeah, it's reposting because I, I think because I think YouTube, um, like their mobile app, is like where they are really seeing like the future of their business going. That like probably what they're noticing is that less people are watching YouTube videos like on computers and more people are watching it on their phones. So being able to compete with apps yeah. like Instagram and TikTok, is, it makes sense why they would be um, pushing that shorter form content. Totally. And did you see that TikTok is going to start introducing 10 minute videos? I did. And I thought that maybe that was fake. Is that real? <laughs> You know, I kind of just took it at face value because it was said by someone I trusted, but I don't know. <laughs> don't quote it, us on I that. Don't even, we'll have to I don't even know who I, yeah, I don't even know who I saw it from. I just saw someone like talking in front of a screenshot being like, so this is a thing. And I'm like, nah, I don't believe you. <laughs> oh my God. I probably pushed it from my for you page onto yours. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. I think the worthy part of this is showing that TikTok and YouTube like the whole thing has been like Instagram versus TikTok all along and I think that even when people say like oh Instagram is dying I think people feel really comfortable on Instagram because it's like the new Facebook and Mm -hmm. I think TikTok is actually stealing more business from YouTube and I think those are the two true competitors so just a little a little food for thought. I think I agree with that yeah yeah I think that's true yeah but Cassie has not produced any native YouTube content in a month in which she did a I'll read this to you and I'll try to keep I'll try to keep um, my opinion out of my voice but it's a seven-day program and day one is sleek body sculptor oh these are called the glow up sessions by the way day one sleek body sculptor day two abdominal destruction and she's like laughing in pastels. It's really cute. She is really uh, quite adorable. Um, day three, bombshell bootification. Day four, lean body meltdown. Day five, A plus arms. Day six, long lean and lit leg day. Day seven, stretch and de-stress. So lots of follow along programs available. Lots and lots and lots of how to's. Um, not just necessarily about sort of practical fitness advice. I'm trying so hard, so hard to stay neutral, Carolyn, but, um, that's okay. You, you don't have to stay of... neutral at this point. Everybody knows <laughs> we are going the... to be critiquing and criticizing. You're right. You're right. They're, they're smart. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta remember. They're here they for are. a reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. They knew, they knew what they were getting into. We're not going to be like, surprise. We don't believe in abdominal destruction. Um, Anyways, lots and lots of body checking to the camera of going, oh, if body weight workouts don't work, then explain this and flexing and showing her lean toned arms, lots of pointing to specific muscles on her body and being like, if you want your muscle to look like this, then you just have to do this. And Mm -hmm. I know we'll get into this more later, but honestly, like I have, obviously fitness is my job. I have a pretty good working knowledge of biomechanics and anatomy and physiology and nutrition and all the things that you need to 
you know, have a, a basic overall knowledge of health and fitness. Um, and I get confused on her page watching 10 to 15 pieces of content. I'm, I feel like my brain scrambled a little bit, not because she doesn't know what she's doing. She is not that genre of influencer, but because there's a lot of borderline contradictory information. Um, there's a lot of, you can see three different videos from her and one is saying, oh, this is a great home cardio workout and it's squats. And then there's one that's, this is a great outer thigh workout and it's squats. And then there's one that's mm. like, this is the best way to build your, build your booty and it's squats. And there's, it's treading the the line of there's nothing, at least in, that I saw in my shallow dive, that's blatantly wrong but it's all very buzzfeed clickbait where Mm -hmm. I have a problem for you a problem that you probably googled or a problem that like my audience has asked me about and then I'm giving a quick fix but a quick fix devoid of any education that would help someone become a more educated consumer or tailor something to work for them. The quick fix is always do exactly what I'm telling you to do. Follow my program. Do this one thing. And like very, very rarely uh, in the in the world are things that cut and dry. So it's confusing. It's a lot of and she's very putting out a like, lot of information. Like s- simple in a lot of ways, accessible in a lot of ways, fun to do workouts. But then the titles and the thumbnails are making very, very extraordinary claims about what this like twelve minute Pilates workout will do for your body. Yes, and obviously there's a lot of sculpt and tone and torch and lengthen and all of those words that. my kinder view of that would just say like that's it's marketing it's all marketing and to her credit Cassie is a brilliant businesswoman and she is very very good at marketing herself um yeah I don't think I can get much farther into this without screaming into the mic so if you'd like to take over from here Caroline maybe we can get into a little more of how Cassie got to to where she is today Sure. A little bit of that, All the right. history of that content. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. All right. So I'm going to try really hard to make this as concise as possible because um, over the past week or so, I have done so much research. I have watched so much content from this woman. Um, I, f- I feel like I could teach an entire course on like the... Like, psychology and like business strategy of blogilates. So let's start at the beginning. So Cassie started her online presence all the way back in 2009. I think that is when she first started her blog. And I'm not sure if she uploaded any YouTube videos that year. If she did, they have since been deleted. Um, But I did scroll all the way back. Well, I didn't have to scroll. I just sorted the videos by oldest to newest. Um, (laughs) But I did go back and watch a bunch of her like very, very early um, videos because she still has a lot of them up going all the way back to 2010. And so 
there's like a, a, a few different eras of Cassie Ho blog content. Um, in the first couple years, you could tell it, it's very, everything that she makes is very of the moment. Like she's very good or was very good until more recently with keeping up with trends and like technology and really kind of being like at the front of the curve of like these, this new online landscape. Um, she was one of the first very, very popular YouTubers and definitely one of the first that was posting about like fitness specifically. Like there weren't a lot of fitness YouTubers in 2010, um, but she was extremely popular. And a lot of her videos around that time were getting hundreds of thousands of views, which was like incredible. Um, and she had a very approachable and likable presence. You know, she is this um, very like warm and inviting and positive person. She, as a coach and, the, and her coaching style, she's very encouraging. She's smiley and has a lot of energy, but isn't overbearing. It's kind of like a calm energy that really makes you feel comforted. Um, and, and she incorporates a lot of her own personal interests into her teaching. So, you know, going back um, to her early Instagram, she posts a lot of Disney memes. Her whole brand, Pop Pilates, is based on the fact that she's a girly girl who loves pop music. And that is really reflected in a lot of her early videos because a lot of her early um, videos were... Um, based around like making a workout to like a popular song. Like she had like a call me maybe squat challenge and like just, just posting like a workout, like a five minute workout to, or a four minute workout, like for a specific pop song. And it was all very cute, um, very inviting. And like, it's no wonder she got really popular because she was making fitness really fun and accessible. You know, these were videos that people could do in their own homes. They didn't have to go to a studio. They didn't need a lot of equipment um, from the the kind of I tried to watch a few videos or at least clips of them. Um, she gives, you know, modifications a lot of the time and she really makes people excited to like get better at, at the workouts. Like one thing I saw in a lot of her earlier videos from the first like three or four years of her posting workouts was a lot of the top comments on YouTube of people saying, um, like I've been doing this workout like two times a week for the past three months. And the first time I did it, it was so hard and I could barely get through it. And now I can get to the end and I'm barely out of breath. And I'm so proud of myself for like how strong I've gotten and how much progress I've seen, like in my ability to do this workout. And she, she was creating something that I think was really unique at the time, which was this very like community based, extremely accessible and very, very fun and positive version of fitness. However, it was, this was all occurring in the early 2010s. And if there was some, if there's something to understand about the fitness landscape in general in the early 2010s is that extreme fat phobia and body shaming was just the norm. Like it was not even considered a bad thing using terms like muffin top, saddlebags, like this would, the, 
I like cringe a little bit saying those words, but that was just seen as like normal and even like positive or funny at the time. So some of her early merch was tank tops that said like muffin top melters. Um, All of her, like if you think the names of her workouts now are kind of inappropriate, like you know, like long, lean arms, toned abs, like sexy legs, uh, which, yeah, that is problematic, you know, claiming that a single Pilates based workout or a single any type of workout can make your body look a certain way and then equating the way that that looks to like a standard of beauty, that is problematic. But it was so, so much worse in the early, in the early days. But I also don't blame her for it because, They don't exist on the internet anymore, but I also definitely made content along those lines when I was trying to establish like an online fitness blog presence at the same time. Like I also had a fitness blog in 2012. I was posting gym selfies to straight up Instagram with like hashtag eat clean, train dirty. Like yes, this was exactly that was what we did. That's not. Yeah. And so more failing on Cassie's part. Yes. And so while all of that fat phobia and like body negativity was there, the alternative was Jillian Michaels. Right. And so if if you're going to get the same bullshit in two containers, I would rather take the one wearing like the sparkly Mickey ears with a smile on its face than the one that is like actually just utilizing like verbal and physical abuse so it it was like she was this kind of like positive breath of fresh air that felt very like inclusive and welcoming for the time um and I I do just want to point out that that is why so many people have such positive memories of interacting with their content because most people that I know like they were mostly doing her videos in that time frame of like 2011 to maybe like 2014, 2015. Um, it was around that like 2014, 2015 time when I also kind of just stopped paying attention to her. And um, I, it's also when I stopped hearing my peers talking about her quite as much. Um, obviously that's different. Like she still has a massive following. Um, but like a lot of the people that I talk to are like, Oh my God. Yeah. I loved her videos back in the day. And that's why, because the alternatives in the fitness industry were so much worse. And so you would much rather be told that you're, body is fat and gross and ugly by someone who comes across as very nice and friendly than someone who comes across as like a mean evil drill sergeant like that's what we were working with at the time it's like the scariest girl in your sorority versus an actual drill sergeant and she's not even scary she's like it's the you know kill him with kindness kind of strategy exactly and so um Yeah. So that, that was kind of what her content looked like at the time. It was a lot of like gimmicky little video series. Uh, you know, she had like a Victoria's Secret model workout series. Um, she would do stuff related to pop culture. Like when the hunger games came out, she did like a hunger games series. Um, and within this time, she's also building up the other areas of her business. You know, she's blogging, she's getting on Instagram in 2012 when that becomes a thing. Um, she's developing her merch and which eventually turns into her clothing line. Um, and she's starting to not just post individual workouts, but also start to run challenges like seven day challenges turns into like 28 day challenges. Um, 
And eventually she starts doing her 90 day challenges, which when they start, um, it's always around like New Year's. Um, And I think she continues to do that to this day. Like every every year at the start of the new year, she runs a 90 day challenge that I think is free to participate in. But there's all this extra stuff that you can buy, like a planner um, to like help you like log your progress and like track your meals and your workouts and stuff like that. And she's getting the ball rolling with all of that very, very early on in this like kind of 2012 to 2014 time period. Um, so then around 2014 is when she starts to branch out into different types of content. And I'm mostly focusing on YouTube because like you said, that's kind of her home base. Like that's where like her long form content was. That's where she was able to make ad revenue um, and really promote stuff. And then things like Instagram were more to drive people to the YouTube and the blog, which were very um, intertwined, the YouTube and the blog. Um, And in 2014, she starts getting experimental with other things, you know, camera quality is better. I think at that point, YouTube starts letting you make longer form videos. Um, and so she starts doing skits. She starts making more kind of like motivational, just talking to the camera videos. And these are really, really popular. Like obviously people love her for the workouts, but a part of the big reason they love the workouts is because of her personality. And so when she starts making content that is more just focused around her and her personality, she starts seeing even more growth and popularity and people really start to love it. And this is where I, in my research, started to really dig deep and fully watch through a lot of these videos um, and really pick them apart. Oh, wait, before I do that, I do just want to share some of the uh, funnier names of videos that I found while looking through this. Um, Oh, God. Hold Hold on. Where are they? Oh, yeah. One thing I thought was really interesting is that like even though she's very like sweet and like like smiley in a lot of her like thumbnails and video titles, she would use very like violent language, like kill your butt (laughs) and like torture your fat and like all of this stuff that I'm like, oh, my God, that is so like of the time. Like that's just how we talked. That is how we talked about our bodies, that everything needed to be like beaten into submission with physical force and violence. Like, oh, I can't even believe we thought that that was like normal and okay. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> um, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Maybe we can like psychoanalyze America in the mid aughts and how we were, oh you know, waging war abroad and brought the war home to sculpt the <laughs> ideal American body on the, oh, with a, be, a wholesome front. I feel like that's a dissertation in and of itself. Yeah, we, we, that'll just be like an audio essay at that point. Um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm realizing I don't think I actually wrote down a lot of the names of the videos, but she was also, I should mention this, she was also posting some food-related content. Like every few videos would be like, um, what was it called? Something like Clean Eats. And it was basically mostly just like low-calorie or low-carb or gluten-free or whatever like the diet fad was of the moment. She would just be ma- like making little recipes that sort of like reflected those buzzwords, which Can I you tap know, makes in a here? I actually yeah. I have the videos pulled up right oh, here. Oh, perfect. Um, I already had her YouTube open. There's things like um, Love Handles Exterminator – um, there's a whole bikini body series, sexy back, butt blaster, which that makes, that, 
That makes me laugh. I'm going to keep my mouth closed about that. Arm attack, summer slim down, um, inner thigh insanity, uh, <laughs> another muffin top meltdown, abomin- abominable abdominals. Um, <laughs> Wait, that's cute. Yeah. Is that like a winter themed workout? I think I remember seeing that one. Yeah, it seems like it. It seems like it. Um, and then these are the food bites, although it seems like the names changed along the way. But things like adding Greek yogurt to guacamole to up the protein uh, content and all of those sort of early Pinterest hacks. It's always mm-hmm. a hack. Always a hack. All right. Cool. Thank you for looking that up. Oh my up. God. I'm so sorry. Um, one more thing. There's one ooh. called Your Royal Hotness Workout. And she's doing like a one legged tricep push up in front of Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is a whole series. She went to London. There's the Trafalgar Trim Down Toner. Yeah. Um, yeah. She in Trafalgar went to Square. And there's Pippa's Butt Workout, which oh, this must have been right is- around the time of that wedding. The wedding. Yeah, I remember that. Everyone was obsessed with Pippa Middleton's butt. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, God. Anyways, I turn it Ugh. back over to you. But okay. the okay, muffin cool. top meltdown is something. Yes. So around 2014 is, like I said, when she starts to get a little bit more like personal with her audience. And one of the things that she starts to talk about a lot is her own personal body insecurities. Um, because at this time, like I said, the fitness world, especially online, was like so fat phobic. So like even more so than it is now, like even though there's a lot of problems in the fitness industry currently, and we talk about those a lot, it was even worse um, back like five to 10 years ago. So one thing that she dealt with a lot was was cyberbullying was people telling her that she was too fat to be a Pilates instructor which is absolutely ridiculous because she is a very thin woman like she is she is a thin woman objectively but the reason that she was getting these comments is because her body type is not naturally very muscular and so while she you know has like a slim figure she doesn't have like incredibly toned six-pack abs and at the time it was generally considered that you had to have like a really lean like hard body like defined muscles defined six-pack abs in order to be a fitness instructor like that that was a generally held belief for a lot of people and that is reflected in the comments that she got because she talks a lot at this time about how she doesn't have the typical fitness instructor body which look like hearing that now I was like this is ridiculous because she is thin (laughs) and there are so many fitness instructors that look like her but at the time it does make sense based on what she was probably looking at a lot which were other popular fitness instructors with big muscular butts defined muscular abs and her body type is just not as muscular and so that difference was enough for her to get bullied and for her to feel very insecure we also have to remember that this is coming off of a time when the American beauty standard was like Paris Hilton. Um, you know, well, I it was shifting won't from even that get into the beginning of, it was shifting from that to Kim Kardashian. This is when we started to see the Kardashians come in, but 
you know, say what you want about the Kardashians, and I will say a lot about the Kardashians, but that was a shift that did take us out of, you know, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels territory into a new, potentially equally damaging beauty standard. But, um, you know, Strong the, is the fitness new skinny. world. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this really is coming on the heels of a time when emaciated was the ultimate standard. And I also think that that helped add to Cassie's relatability is that she looked less like, you know, a celebrity, perhaps she looked less like mm-hmm. someone on the Hills and more like your friends, like your friend yes. who's into fitness. Yeah. For, for the time, even though we wouldn't see it that way now at the time she was representing an element of body diversity in the fitness industry. Um, because yes, she didn't look like a like heroin chic model of the decade before she didn't look like Paris Hilton and she also didn't look like a bikini competitor which I think has been a sticking point for her for a long time because as you mentioned Laura she did compete in a bodybuilding competition in 2012 and in the years after that was dealing with a lot of repercussions of that with her um, like metabolism and, you know, going through some weight fluctuations as a result. And so, you know, the the weight gain that occurred after that competition over the next like two to three years was um, like people on the Internet noticed it people noticed that she gained weight after that competition. Even though she was still a very objectively thin woman, she had a softer body, a softer silhouette than um, she had had a few years previously. And the internet trolls really took that and ran with it. I think we should also mention, if you are not familiar with bodybuilding competitions, those are the photos you see online of people really, really lean and really, really fake tanned in like sparkly bikinis. That's an aesthetic sport um, that has been, you know, a, it's set a standard for what fitness looks like. I'm putting fitness in quotes. That's mm-hmm. really problematic. And we've talked about maybe diving into this on a future episode, but um those competitions are literally you are for a short term time, maybe six months, maybe a year, um, changing the style of your workouts, uh, restricting calories, manipulating the macronutrients that you're eating, manipulating things like your water intake, um, to get to a place where you look as lean and muscular as possible. And I think there's a big misconception in kind of internet fitness that bodybuilding style training is good for everybody. That that's like a, mm-hmm. a starting place or something to aspire to. And that it's to. healthy. Yeah. And, and obviously that plays into the idea of like that health has a look. And unfortunately, like the look we're shown of people who are quote unquote really into fitness are these really, really like beef jerky people like they look (laughs) leathery and really really um cut so anyways if you are you know not yes if if you're not as familiar very specific sport and we will we will do a more in-depth episode on this but that is a very good context for people who don't um, have a lot of background so kind of going off of that one of the videos that she put out in 2015 
um, called How I Healed Metabolic Damage, is talking a lot about this. So um, she talks very, very openly and vulnerably about her experience with that first bodybuilding competition in 2012, how difficult and unpleasant the process was. She does make sure to emphasize how much she liked the physical results um, and how much she liked the way she looked when when she like stepped on stage and when she went through that whole process, but that it was like not healthy, not sustainable, and like physically she felt very bad and that it really damaged her metabolism after. And um, the the issues that she dealt with um, over the next like three years or so with the main one being weight gain. She frames the weight gain that she experienced after, you know, doing this competition as, you know, a problem. Um, and, uh, it's, it's an interesting video. I don't recommend people go back and, uh, watch it, (laughs) um, or really any of these that I'm talking about. Um, but, but it was interesting to hear her talk so openly and honestly, um, about that experience. And she, talks about like the kind of conclusion of that video is that the way that she eventually like healed a lot of the like uncomfortable physical symptoms that she was experiencing and the metabolic damage that she experienced, which is a very real thing that people who go through really intense dieting experience is metabolic damage. She talks about how the only way for her to heal from that was to do a lot of healing around her relationship with food, heal a lot of the fear that she had around like eating like bad food foods that she no longer thinks of foods in like good and bad and she does let herself eat whatever she wants um and I think again at the time in 2015 this was sort of a revolutionary message like intuitive eating was not as well known or as popular and so having this extremely influential and popular um like fitness influencer and fitness personality talk about how like being afraid of eating is hurting you and like dieting really intensely causes metabolic damage. Um, I think that at the time probably was very positive and probably did have a positive effect on a lot of people. But um, through this, a part of the like very raw honesty is that she was sharing a lot of before and after photos, a lot of body measurements, her weight before and after. And her final conclusion, while it sounds very nice and positive, what I hear is that I was able to heal my relationship with food when I realized that I can eat whatever I want without gaining more weight. And that food freedom is good when you can do it in a way where you don't get fat, where you can stay thin, have the body you want, progress towards your fitness goals um, while not having a bunch of fear foods and not labeling food as good and bad. So it's like a good message that kind of takes a nosedive right back into fat phobic territory. And that was her, that was her conclusion. It's like empowering women to pick up weights and start strength training by being like, don't worry, you won't get bulky. Yes. And then the actual final conclusion, um, of this video is that she is announcing her next 90 day challenge. 
And um, so this is kind of what I wrote. This was like, this is not, this is paraphrasing with my own sort of editorial voice. Conclusion. You don't need to restrict or label foods as bad. You are allowed to eat everything. Also, here's another transformation where I weigh X number of pounds and look more like my ideal fitness instructor, my idea of the ideal fitness instructor, like muscular with abs, um, from just working out 28 minutes a day. Now join my program so you can look like me. So she she's basically advertising. Oh, sorry. It wasn't a 90-day program. This was her like hit like this was at the height of like high intensity interval training hit workouts being popular so she made pilates intensive interval training which are these 28 minute pilates based workouts and basically what she's saying is that i healed my relationship with food by eating whatever i want and doing my 28 minute pit workouts um so that I now have a body that I actually like even more. Like this is how like, ew, look at how like skinny and gross I was when I did that bodybuilding competition and was starving myself. And uh, look at how like fat and gross I was when I was in metabolic damage from that um, bodybuilding (laughs) competition. And now look at how muscular and healthy and lean and happy I am from eating whatever I want and doing this workout program. And if you want to do it with me, if you want to buy the program, pay me money. So it's this positive sounding message that sounds empowering, but it's ultimately marketing. It is there to sell a program. And the final conclusion is still rife with judgment and fat phobia and body hierarchy. So there's that It's also like always chasing a moving needle of what like the ultimate ideal most acceptable body type is mm-hmm. and granted that needle is moving in like the world's tiniest pendulum swing yeah but it's always framed as like what would be most acceptable what's best looking mm-hmm. and ultimately like as a person who puts content out on the internet as Carolyn and I are like I have so much I guess, sympathy for just the amount of commentary you must be taking in when your platform is at that scale. I think mm-hmm. it's hard to maintain a voice that's separate from a whole bunch of feedback and a whole bunch of criticism. Yes. Um, and so and- I think we can't really talk about what we can guess about Cassie's body image without talking about the way the internet interacted with her especially as a woman of color, especially as someone who didn't fit the hyper skinny, hyper blonde, and then, you know, more muscular, -muscular. more curvy, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that you brought that up because in that same year in 2015, I think it was a little earlier in the year, she put out a series of two videos, um, back, like back to back almost, there might've been a couple workouts in between them, but they're very related to one another. In the first one, she, for the first time, basically calls out all of that cyberbullying, talking about how it has been really hard for her to be on the internet lately because she has been getting a lot of really negative comments about her body and being very, again, very open and vulnerable and honest about how it's been making her feel that she's been crying a lot, that um, she knows she shouldn't be reading the comments, but she can't pull herself away from it. Um, and points out, this is one of the few videos where I actually think she pretty much got it all right. And I agree with almost everything she said. Um, she points out that this kind of like 
this kind of cyber bullying um, contributes to eating disorders and body dissatisfaction. And um, and I, I think it was really lovely that she did make this video. And when I started watching it, I was very nervous for where it was going to go. And I was very pleasantly surprised by the fact that she kept it very simple. She wasn't trying to sell anything at the end. And she was just, she was just saying like, this sucks. Like you are being mean. It hurts my feelings. And I'm not the only one who experiences this. Like this is a part of the problem and why people hate their bodies so much, like including me, including why I have insecurities. Um, obviously this is from the context of the time doesn't bring in how it must be even worse for people in larger bodies and more marginalized bodies, whatever. But I think she says a lot of really great things about how commenting negatively about people's bodies on the internet leads to a lot of awful things going on in like the target person's life. Um, and then the follow-up video to that was she made this sort of like, I don't even know what to call it, um, but it's called the perfect body. And in it, um, you see her looking in a mirror and kind of in real life, photoshopping her body to look like the quote unquote, like ideal fitness instructor. So she photoshops herself to have a more like hourglass figure with like a more cinched waist and a bigger butt, bigger boobs, um, bigger eyes. Um, and this was a really interesting video to watch, especially remembering back to this time on Instagram when apps like Facetune were starting to become more like publicly available and it was becoming more known that like, oh my gosh, people are like doctoring their photos and people were calling that out that like when you, when companies or influencers Photoshop their bodies and their faces to look different, like they're perpetuating an unrealistic beauty standard. Um, and, and she, and, and so she made this very poignant, um, statement on like Photoshop and expectations for the way women should look and how the internet and apps like Instagram are impacting women's body image. And then the very next video she posts is a workout called five minute fat attack. So it's like, it's so frustrating because she is so smart. She's so well-spoken. She is so good at communicating some very complicated and emotionally charged um, like points and information. And it just has a total lack of self-reflection on how she and her business and her content are a part of the problem. Because I think in her mind, because she has a positive attitude and she says she wants everybody to love themselves, that that like absolves her of all wrongdoing. <laughs> and, you know, this is early on. This is 2015. This is when the body positive movement is just starting to take off in a big public way. And so, you, you know, you think like, okay, there there's room for learning and growing, but, you know, she's on a, on a good path here. You know, she, she's putting out stuff that has a good message, even if she's not fully there yet. Um, and, and she puts out a few more videos over the next few years, including that How I Healed My Metabolic Damage. She puts out one called Can DNA Influence How Much You Weigh, which again, pointing out how like weight and body size and body type has a genetic component, which like true, good point. But again, always somehow ties it back to like a personal desire to lose weight is like not ever a bad or problematic thing. And her 
posting about her own body or promoting workouts that are meant to change the shape and size of your body. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So it's like this fence straddling. It's like kind of getting the point and then totally forgetting that you kind of get the point in the next video. Um, and I'll elaborate more on that in a moment. Um, so now we're kind of fast forwarding to 2017, a couple years later, the workouts, mostly the same, better production value, better video quality. Thumbnails look a little different cause they're just following the current trends. Um, one good thing, less muffin top talk. She's not really on that shtick anymore, which love to see it. She's also starting to do like more blogging and is continuing with that trend of talking about these like quote unquote big topics, perfectionism, vanity sizing, insecurities. She makes videos about all these things and more. Yeah. So one of these videos, which is about insecurities, where she's actually um, kind of like interviewing, like doing the the video with um, Lindsay Sterling, who was also very, very popular on YouTube at the time. She was that like violinist. Do you know who I'm talking about? I recognize that name, but I can't put a she recently got dragged on TikTok for um, making a music video where she's wearing dreads and she's a white woman and she's like culturally appropriating like in her outfits, like all these different cultures. And it's super cringy to look at like it. It's it's not (laughs) it's not good. Like the outfits are not (sighs) good. It's like it's very much like 2012 boho dream catcher vibes, but just like, oh, no in 2022 um (laughs) it's like cupcakes are my spirit animal or something like that yeah it it wasn't it wasn't good so she got um rightfully dragged by gen z on tiktok for that but so she was being interviewed by cassie and they were talking about insecurities and this is just another video where cassie says so many things that are so relatable and um you know such a a good perspective and then just like Eh. (laughs) like like stops it there and like holds strong to her core beliefs of that her body needs to be thin um and that like change changing your body and like is like the same as personal growth and and stuff so let me let me I feel like she's such a good example of impact is more important than intent because I don't think anyone can accuse Cassie of having anything but the best intentions. Yes. But there, there seems to be, there's no consideration of the impact. And at, at my most generous, I would say that like, she's just deep in the hole and there's a lack of self reflection because her business is so, um, you know, personal and so Cassie centric. Yeah. Um, there's a lack of under understanding about how that maybe contributes to damaging narratives in the real world. And mm-hmm. then at my most cynical, I would say that she's just the constant businesswoman and she does not care. And she know it she knows it sells to do her weight loss plans around New Year's and she knows it sells to consistently unpack her body image that she stays relatable but continue to push weight loss on people and she knows it sells to say do this one thing and you'll look this way even if she knows better because I this is what's so frustrating is that like she is knowledgeable she is very very smart and on top of that she's also talented she knows how to command an audience she knows how to be appealing she knows how to communicate with people she's a great communicator Mm -hmm. so it's and she knows how to teach a good workout yes it's so frustrating to watch someone with all of that just 
continue to almost promise growth and then not demonstrate it, you know, because I think she exists at the interesting intersection of like, you know, we got out of the, oh, blast your muffin top zone. Mm -hmm. We, there was a shift where people started to become more cognizant of how, you know, this messaging was damaging and we started to be more critical of the media we were consuming and we got like the airy real campaigns and like the dove mm-hmm. beauty campaigns and we exited sort of the like Victoria's Secret push-up bra era and we went into the teenagers getting boob jobs era because all of a sudden it was no longer cool and profitable to market these products that fed directly into insecurities because we were getting smarter about what companies were doing. So now there's more pressure to just be, to just meet the standard innately to not talk about or show your workout routine as much because that's like gauche and that's tacky and cringe to not admit that you have these deep seated body image issues or this desire for weight loss. Like we can't, those pressures are still extremely present and marketed to and sold um but because it's now we're being and we could trace this back to the co-opting of the body positivity movement by thin white women on instagram but because we're now being sold this healed message this love your body message without actually digging up the systems that are hurting us at the root now we just can't talk about it as openly now we can't say this will give you abs we just have to be like well here's what I eat in a day and this is how I look but it's not like it's more to shed belly fat anymore quote unquote yeah yeah anyways rant over sorry no I love it I love it great interjection um but so like back to this insecurities video um the the main line that it, it's a few minutes long again I don't really recommend going back and watching it it was actually kind of boring for the most part um but the main thing that stuck out to me is exactly what you were getting at that it's like she she does all of this amazing research and is so good at identifying the problem and then stops just short of understanding what the actual solution is that the that like things like eating disorders and insecurities and body image are these big issues that lots of people are dealing with. And like in her audience, like lots of women are dealing with. Um, but she will only go so far as to identify the solution as like a personal one that like insecurities, the reason that like you're feeling insecure is because that there is something wrong with your body. And so, and so like, of course you feel bad about it because your body's not good enough. And so the, like it, it sucks to feel insecure and she's identifying that that's a problem and that people are hurting, but the solution is not to like, as a culture question, why we consider these like body features to be bad and wrong and maybe stop believing that it's the, the solution is to have insecurities, but also have goals to fix yourself like that that's what she says her view on insecurities is that they are like a tool for motivation for self-improvement that it's insecurities with goals that you're not just like sulking in your self-hatred that you are using your insecurities as motivation to better yourself and it's it just and we will continue to see this she she refuses to separate self-improvement and being a good person and liking yourself. 
She cannot separate that or refuses to separate that from looking a certain way. That self-improvement, you can get that. You can get self-actualization and living your best life and being your true self through achieving a specific body type. And it is that really deep set belief that I think she truly believes this. I think this is like at the core of what she believes to be true for herself. Um, and this is why she continues to do transformation challenges, which is what we are going to get into next. So oh, she's God. been doing these weight loss challenges. Do you have something you want to say? I, I mean, I have a 10 minute sidebar rant that's about to spill out. Let, of my mouth, let's see if, if let's see if maybe you yet. can weave it in in a little bit because I want to I want to get through this next little section. So bring it bring in it. the this summer. It's hard to listen to. <laughs> it is. It is. And so th- this is why we are trying to approach this with so much empathy, because we think that the things that make her problematic are really coming from it, like insecurity it's within herself. Of a much bigger problem yes she is victim it's internalized not internalized she's upholding yeah yeah it it is internalized thin superiority as Aubrey Gordon has written about in one of her essays that it is like a core part of her worldview and her self-concept that being thin is good for her at least and it reminds me a little bit of you remember when that bikini picture picture of Khloe Kardashian mm-hmm. went semi-viral because she tried to get it scrubbed from the internet? Mm-hmm. And it's this sort of dual truth of we can understand the impact that our cultural rot has on these women in public facing positions where they're opened up to this horrible scrutiny and we can understand the toll that takes um and why that's not okay and then we also have to hold space to be able to criticize these people for how they uphold those same systems that are hurting them like mm-hmm. i chloe kardashian has every right to not want a picture of herself posted all over the internet but she also sells her show where she talks about her fitness transformation like the body is the product so it's it has to be both things at once and I feel like it's I yeah it's a it's a very very touchy place because we as consumers inhabit that same world of you know having insecurities having internal bullshit because of the way society is rotted in terms of the stories we're told about bodies but we are also the ones being sold to mm-hmm. um yeah anyways yeah. <laughs> okay I'm Go going to take a quick pause hole where I wait I, to rant again yeah I need more water and I need to go to the bathroom so we're gonna pause and then we're gonna get back to it and when we come back we're going to be talking about the challenge that she did in 2019 that really kicked off the major backlash that she started to experience so this is where it gets closer to present day and really starts to explain why her current social media looks the way that it does so okay be back in like three minutes All right, so 
we are moving on through the timeline and I decided to do this chronologically because I thought that would be the most organized but it is tough because this is the order that she's like putting videos out but a lot of the things that like inspire these videos that she's making are all happening simultaneously and a lot of it is reactions or responses to backlash that she gets over like a long period of time and finally kind of comes to a head where she feels like she needs to make some sort of statement about it. So I I really do want to emphasize that um, while like there, she's making responses to criticism and there is lots of different types of criticism happening. Um, and she often, when she's talking about the cyberbullying, the criticism, she doesn't differentiate <laughs> the different types that she's receiving. Some of it is absolutely horrid and disgusting. She got racist backlash when she was on the cover of magazines. Um, she got, you know, actual like body shaming, fat phobic, uh, comments thrown at her. Like I was talking about before when she did go through a period of weight gain, like people have been very nasty to her about how girly she is, about the fact that she's an Asian American woman, about the fact that that like she's not a super ripped muscular person like a lot of losers on the internet expect fitness instructors to look like. All of this is very true and those kinds of things are extremely hurtful. But amongst all of that, she's also receiving genuine constructive criticism about the fact that a lot of the content she makes is harmful especially by this point when people are starting to kind of get woke to the fact that talking about blasting fat and, um, and stuff like that just isn't good. (laughs) You know, it's deceptive. Um, and it is hurtful to the people that she is making content for. Um, and, and she has trouble seeing the difference between that genuine criticism and the like gen- the actual bullying. So I, I think it's important to understand that when I talk about these next few videos. So she's getting a lot of awful, 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 um, hateful stuff thrown her way. And she's getting a lot of genuine constructive criticism that she is having a hard time understanding and absorbing. I would also say very cynically that when she chooses to address the bullshit, abusive, racially charged bullying comments, when she chooses to address those and therefore lump all her criticism together, I do think that that is potentially an intentional choice because it devalues legitimate criticism. I think it's definitely on purpose as a part in, I, and I think it's a a form of like self defense almost. Um, but it is also intentional and it's her not taking accountability for the ways that she is actually contributing harm to the world. Um, and we will get more into this. I, I hope we're not being confusing and I hope we're not making too many assumptions about, you the listener and what you already know um but yeah hopefully you're following along so 2019 she decides to do a 90-day challenge similar to ones that she's done in the past or like that she's ran for people around new year's time but 
she's not doing it at New Year's. She decides to do this in like the summertime, I think, to start it. And it it is not something that she is asking her audience to do along with her. You know, it's not like a community challenge. It is a challenge that she is doing herself and documenting publicly. And that that difference is very important to her. Um, so she says that her goal is to find my voice again by getting into the best shape of my life mentally and physically. So the reason she phrases it this way is because over the past couple years, she has been receiving um, all, all of that criticism of all the different kinds that I was talking about. And in terms of a lot of other things too, like one, one thing that she points out um, in that video is that when she on her Instagram posted like a little celebration post on her feed about uh, gay marriage passing, you know, federally in the United States in 2015, she got so many people uh like leaving hate comments about that. <laughs> she found out the hard way that a lot of her audience was really homophobic in 2015. And um, and what she said in, in the intro of this video talking about her challenge is that she felt like her tendency to people please um, and wanting to please everyone in her audience was starting to prevent her from being her authentic self. She was afraid to talk about her opinions when it came to more controversial issues like gay marriage, um, but also about other things because she felt like no matter what she did in terms of the fitness videos she was posting, the things, the, the food that she was eating, she felt like no matter what she was getting criticism. And I, I think it's really interesting that this affected her so much because she's been on the internet for a long time. But I think in the first few years of her career, she didn't get a lot of backlash and criticism. Um, you know, people really, really liked her videos and she would sometimes get some troll comments about her body, but that was it. Her actual audience itself, like the people who were there for her and for her content consistently liked what she was putting out and, and that was it and that was great. And so when the landscape starts to change and, you know, body positivity is becoming more influential in the fitness world and uh, just the world is changing in general as it does over time, she's having trouble keeping up with it in terms of also adjusting her content. Um, and she's having trouble adjusting to the fact that the internet is just bigger and her stuff is being seen by a lot more different types of people, not just the people who already know and love her. And, and so she's, she's struggling a lot with that and feeling like she still needs to be trying to please everyone and is really having a hard time processing the fact that not everybody on the internet likes her. And I get that. That's really hard, especially when it didn't used to be that way. Like I have a lot of sympathy for how challenging it must be to go through something like that. Um, but so that is the background that she describes as for why she is embarking on this challenge. And this is where I want to bring up that point I mentioned earlier that she very, very deeply believes that changing your physical body is the same thing as like personal growth and self-development. It is the same thing for her because she says she wants to find my, herself and her voice again by getting into the best shape of her life mentally and physically. So she's trying really, really hard to make it like not about her body when it still clearly is definitely about her body. She's trying to soften it to make it more 
um, acceptable to this new like body positive side of the internet that is like, you're already thin. You already like, like, why do you need to lose weight? And she's saying like, oh, well, this is a part of my personal growth journey. So that's, that's it's why it's me. okay. It's for me. And that's the other There's big part There's a current of it. piece of content that I want to pull up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll let you finish first, but there's a okay. current piece of content that I feel like encapsulates this. Uh, yeah, this is this is a theme that stays consistent up until today. And it kind of started with this challenge. And I'm sure we'll see how it um, ties into what she's doing now. Um, but yeah, so that's her goal. Um, she talks about how weight loss is uh, b- basically she's saying that losing weight because that's what this challenge is for she's trying to lose weight she's trying to lose like 20 pounds or something and again she's already a thin woman um but so weight loss is a for her a solution to feeling censored on the internet um and she elaborates on this more in a follow-up video so this is just the one where she's like talking about the challenge that she's going to do um hold on a second Yeah, so basically like making her body look the way she's always wanted it to look, which always seems to be her goal. It's always like chasing this image of how she thinks her body should look. And this seems to be very based off of the criticism that she gets for not looking like a tip, like the ideal fitness instructor. Like instead of rejecting that she needs to look that way, it's like accepting, okay, I don't look that way right now, but I can always get there and getting there. And that being the goal is still the solution. It's still the good thing that she feels like she needs to do to like, fully realize herself and doing that um will kind of symbolize like breaking free from the expectations of others which is sort of ironic um and that's like the finding her voice (laughs) so I wrote dot 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 I have thoughts which I think I already kind of stated them um (laughs) she also says that a part of this goal is that she wants an athletic body fat percentage so this is specifically about (sighs) fat loss it's about getting to a low 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 body fat percentage which like these classifications of like athletic body fat percentage there's a few others it's similar to like the BMI categories totally arbitrary the way that they're named Um, you don't need to have a certain body fat percentage in order to be an athlete that's just like so inaccurate Um, but anyway that is her goal to have an athletic body fat percentage which is going to be along the lines of the body fat percentage that a bikini competitor a bodybuilding competitor would have so that goal it's still in there she's still kind of chasing that body that she's been chasing since 2012 So a lot of this feels like it's motivated by her deep insecurity of not looking like an ideal trainer. I already said that. She feels like she needs to look more muscular in order to be like validated or good enough or like taken seriously in her role. Like despite all of the amazing success that she has had as a fitness instructor, because she still doesn't quote unquote look the part, it still doesn't feel like enough for her. Um, and so she emphasizes, uh, like this is like the, like the wrap up video, I guess. Um, so she emphasizes that her experience with like this diet and exercise program was better than when she worked with male trainers for the bikini competition because she was making the rules for herself and listening to her body. Okay. So there's a lot in that. And I like the sentiment of that, like making a change 
that will impact your physical body is generally going to be a better experience if you're making the rules yourself and taking into account how you feel and how your body is responding and what you actually want instead of just like arbitrarily following someone else's guidelines who doesn't know your body and how you feel. I agree with that. But it's such this like bastardization of the concept of listening to your body with like a weird female empowerment, like choice feminism twist. Like just the fact that a woman is choosing to restrict and overexercise in order to lose weight, just because she's the one choosing to do that and it's not being imposed on her by a specific man, that doesn't inherently make it a good or healthy choice. Um, and so the fact that she's like, that might've been true for her. Like, I believe her when she says it was a more positive experience than when she worked with the male trainers, but the message that she's giving to her audience is that like, if you're the one who's choosing to do it and you're not like being forced at gunpoint to run on a treadmill and lose 10 pounds, then it's a good choice. And like, it doesn't come with any like negative side effects or risks or dangers. And it's just, it like reduces it down to this like weird weird message of female empowerment that's just like total it's just so muddled up and dangerous because it's encouraging people to potentially do things that will hurt them um it's like you don't need to hire Jillian Michaels you can just make your own just self-motivate Jillian Michaels inside your brain yeah Mm -hmm. oh and it's that it's the is this specifically an Instagram problem or is this just a people problem it's the yelling at people to listen to your body and to quote unquote love yourself without giving them any actionable steps and ignoring all the outside forces that would have them feel detached from their bodies or not feel loving towards themselves it's always 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 ignoring the greater systems at play it's like the underlying thing here is just it's like acknowledging the cultural forces that make you feel a certain way but then not condemning them instead just like accepting that like oh well that's just how it is though those forces those cultural forces those cultural opinions are actually correct um and it sucks that it makes me feel bad but the solution is to like capitulate to it and like the world is telling me I need to look a certain way I feel bad because I don't and they're telling me I suck because I don't look that way so the answer is to look that way because they are right and it's like, whoa, 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 and whoa, when whoa. You, Oh, God. When you refuse to acknowledge that it's systemic, you also divorce like, yourself it, from it the is, responsibility. It's not, it's not ignoring that it's systemic. It's just not saying that the system is wrong. It's just assuming that the system is correct. See, I would argue that she will not recognize that it's systemic. I think she is counting on it being universal. But I don't well, think she's acknowledging that it's systemic because you're right. if you acknowledge that it's systemic, then you have to get political. And I well, think that like back to the people pleaser, you're not marketable if you're political. You can't have a reach that's as broad as what she does. And, that and she learned that when she made a statement on gay rights. Yeah. Angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think yeah. I think maybe what I'm trying to say is that like, yeah, there is no acknowledgement of the systems being the problem it's just an acceptance that like the cultural understanding of things and the systems that are in place are in place for a reason they are correct and like that's just how it is the problem is individual people being mean about it 
And so it's like, yeah, mm. sure. My body isn't right. I, I am insecure because there's things wrong with my body. But the issue is that you are pointing it out and making me feel bad about it. The problem is the bullying, not the fact that we all think that a trainer not having a six pack is somehow wrong. And it, yeah, so it, it, you are correct that it's like not acknowledging the systems as the problem. It's acknowledging individual people being mean. <laughs> That's the problem, even though it's all coming from this greater systemic place. Um, and the thing that sucks is that like else? people are also just being mean to her. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. want to throw my hands up and be like, "That's the reality of being a woman on the internet." But like, she is also facing a tremendous amount of abuse, and that yeah. is. A so renewable resource because she's going to keep getting bullied because trolls on the internet are terrible. <laughs> yeah. And so it makes sense that when you are like in the midst of a barrage of hate comments and people are being really mean to you, it makes sense that you would conceptualize that as being the root of the problem because that is what you are currently experiencing. And maybe in order for her to understand the more systemic side of it all, she would need some space. Like she she would need to not be subjected to that bullying for a while so that she can even see the greater issues. Um, but now we're speculating. Um, but so I want to move on to the next video, which is the one-year follow-up mm. that she makes to that challenge. So that video I just talked Ooh. about was her kind of like, recap of the challenge right after it happened she shows um like the before and after pictures whatever whatever um and yeah I already talked about it um oh oh I did have this kind of little summary of it though so the good things in that video was that she encourages like finding the joy in exercise finding balance with food and being kind and compassionate and flexible with yourself because she said that like those three things were all really key to her quote-unquote like success um and I think that those are all good things to be a part of like a self-care practice (laughs) compassion joy balance awesome but the bad is that she implies that if you have all those things that it will like make you have the perfect body (laughs) that it's like and also if she were criticized for that she'd be like you hate compassion and joy and acceptance wow you hate balance oh my (laughs) god (laughs) but she's not she has never actually like directly responded to those types of criticism like you said earlier she lumps it in with the actual bullying that she receives so it, it all gets very muddled and confusing but so yeah so a year later she makes a video titled how I lost 20 pounds and kept it off a year later so ooh Ooh, this really like makes my skin crawl. And if you um, listen to my um, last detox episode about results, this is exactly what I was talking about, that it's like she's basically implying that if you do the same things that she does, you will get results and they will last. How I lost 20 pounds and kept it off for a year. Um, Like, ah, it's this, it's this same like, clickbait um type of like buzzfeedy type of headline um it, it honestly reads like one of those like shady ads that you would see at like the bottom of a web page that's like this one weird hack for like losing half your body weight doctors for the rest hate of your life. her <laughs> doctors hate her exactly it reads like and like that. 48 hot singles in your area want to talk to you <laughs> right next to each other yes with a weird picture of like a sea urchin so that you like stop and look at it for a second <laughs> um okay So 
again, she starts this video by like talking about like the backlash that she received for like posting publicly about this challenge, which it sounds like the backlash that she received was mostly about that she was like sharing all of the specifics of like her current weight, her goal weight, um, the like individual workouts she was doing and her meal plan. Like she was getting pushback about that. And she seems to be very baffled why anyone would push back about that because like she's doing this for her. Um, And that's what she seems to be very stuck on. She says, I thought I made it clear that this was a personal journey just for me. And to that I say, babes, as soon as you turn it into content for your online business, it's no longer just about you. You are using it as an example success story so that people will join your programs. So this is where I think that her intentions are actually not in the right place. I think she, at this point, at this point, she knows exactly what she is doing. If she was doing a journey just for her, she would not be sharing the specifics. She would not be sharing about it at all. And that's, that's something that I believe strongly. Like I believe in body autonomy. I think that people should be allowed to do whatever they want with their bodies. And I would never judge someone or fault someone for making the choice to go on a weight loss journey. But as soon as you post about it publicly on social media, especially connected to your business, especially to an audience of millions of people, it is no longer a journey just for you. And you are causing harm. You are contributing to the problem. So girl, it doesn't matter how much you say, it was just for you it wasn't because you made it public in the way that you did so it anyway (laughs) if you can link the products and they have your face on them there's something in it for you you're not not endorsing that if at the end you are selling a journal so that like people can go on this journey themselves it is not just for you um so in this video it seems like she is like happy like she she's happy she's found like a way of eating and an exercise plan and a self-care routine that like feels good for her and she claims that that's what it's about that it's about finding like sustainable self-care practices like a big part of this is that like she also made sure she went and got like a deep tissue massage once a week she talks about how um like a part of this was that she was doing a keto diet but after a few weeks there was certain elements of it that weren't working for her so she went in and adjusted Like she's honestly talking about a lot of the same things that we talk about. Like you just did your mini episode, your uh, energy bite on how to adjust. And she literally talks about going through that exact same process with like the diet portion. Um, But the ultimate goal for her is still this like kind of dramatic weight loss for someone that is of her like size and frame. So again, it's confusing because she's taking a lot of this really like positive messaging, but like intertwining it with all of the same like fat phobic diet culture bullshit that she has always spouted. It's just like with a nicer tone with like the buzzwords of the current zeitgeist. So she's, she's talking about how she's so happy because she lost the weight. Um, or no, she's saying this is a direct quote and it was so confusing. She doesn't elaborate on it. And I want to see if you can guess what it means. She says, I'm not, she, yeah, she says, I'm not happier because I lost weight. It's because I was happy that I was able to lose the weight. What the fuck does that mean? What does that fucking mean? You saw my face. And and so this is her. I think this is her 
internalizing the criticism she's getting a little bit, realizing that it is problematic for her to be constantly pushing weight loss. So she's trying to spin it that like, it's about the weight loss, but it's not really about the weight loss. Like it's not about She's praising herself like for the commitment. Yeah, I think it's that. It doesn't matter that I lost weight. It's that I was able to put in hard work for something that I really wanted, but ignoring the fact that what she really wanted was to lose lose weight. What, exactly. And I think that's what she's trying to say, but it's it, it's clear that she doesn't really know how she feels about it or she does know how she feels about it and she hasn't quite figured out how to make her message appealing to like what the world wants from her right now, um, which is where a lot of this tension comes from. So she's talking a lot about her why, but either she doesn't understand what her why is or she's like kind of lying about what her why is. Um like I saw that says, pop up so many times and she was just writing like remember your why and triple underlining it but not once did she and maybe that was just something I missed but I did not see her like give a peek into what her why is and what no, motivates I, I her think other than the very vague like being your best self. I Yeah I think it's elusive for a reason it's it, it's like non-specific for a reason and it's because she knows that her why is simply that she wants to look the way that her industry has always told her that she should look um and that the youtube trolls have always told her that she should look like i think deep down that is her true why which is why it's so hard for her to communicate clearly about this because she's like kind of trying to hide that probably from herself too a little bit like there's a lot of internal work that needs to happen here for her to actually have a cohesive message around like wellness and body image and fitness like she is in the thick of it and it sucks like it sounds like she's hurting a lot and her body image is not good and she's really struggling in a lot of ways and trying to maintain this very like positive attitude and like cheery image and like be empowering and encouraging because that's her brand but like it's really hard to do that when you are like going through it in the moment and it's going to result in very confusing messaging. So she talks a lot about her why she says that her why is to unlock her body's user's manual so she can feel good and be the best version of herself once and for all. And again, this once and for all, she's never been able to attain this perfect body. She thinks she should have. She equates the best version of herself professionally, probably too, with having this specific body, but she's not saying it outright so that there's some plausible deniability. So you can believe it has to do with the mental internal changes. But for her, those mental internal changes are directly tied to having a specific body aesthetic. I also have to point out the like very simple logical fallacy here that her business would suffer if she figured it out once and for all. Yeah. If you follow what's unspoken if you follow what's unsaid in all these challenges and all the content of just do this and then you'll get this like it there is a promise that this is a solution and a solution means an endpoint. and if she ever hit an endpoint, she wouldn't be able to keep doing what she's doing so like this is all alleged yeah. but I <laughs> I'm speculating but I have to wonder if she's gotten to a point of like the ends justify the means where it's like well you know, I get people moving. A lot of people feel supported by me. And now I have a business to run and I have staff. I have a team. I have yeah. an image to uphold. So 
I, to a certain extent, have to keep dangling the carrot a little farther every time. I mm-hmm. have to keep myself on this treadmill of unreachable expectations because what if she what if she was done? Like, well, it, I think it's that she keeps selling I, stuff as this is the solution, but there's clearly no solution because she's been at this for 12 years. Yes. And I <laughs> she's think she's been hundred percent dedicated to this for 12 years. I, yes. And I also wouldn't be surprised if some of this is happening kind of at an unconscious level that it's like, mm-hmm. what is professionally required of her is getting in the way of her actually being able to heal. Like that her body image issues persist because they are necessary for her professional success because her business right now, a big portion of it is built on these 90 day challenges. And so if she figured it out (laughs) and liked her body finally and never wanted to change it again, she can't ever do a 90 day challenge again. And then she, she would have to come up with a whole new business model. And so I wouldn't be surprised if this feeling, this need to continue these challenges every year is getting in the way of her actually healing. And I hope it's that. And I hope it's not that she is purposefully lying to people and she's doing it all on purpose. Like I I hope, I hope that it's her business and the way that she runs it is keeping her stuck in this body image limbo that's like preventing her from finally getting on the other side of that fence. But I mean, who knows? Like you said, she's a really good marketer God, it makes me and so she's built sad. this brand over 12 years. She is experienced and she knows what she's doing in a lot of other ways. So who knows? I These think that's probably like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't know anything we're talking about. This is all alleged. We cannot Speculation. be speculation. Um, I feel like that's gotta be, kind of the big question when it comes to Cassie right is because she's clearly smart and she's clearly knowledgeable and she's clearly talented so does she know what she's doing beyond no like she knows what she's doing when it comes to building a brand spreading a message being a persona Mm -hmm. does she realize the dark side of what she's doing is she manipulative or is she trapped yeah it's like where is the disconnect happening like at what point in that process and it could be both (laughs) it it could be both it could be a combination so we're we're still on that one year follow-up video so another quote that she says in that that I feel like ties into exactly what I was just saying about like what her true motivations are and the way that she sees her body as intrinsically connected to like who she is as a person um she says I need you to, this is a direct quote. This is not me paraphrasing. She says, I need you to look at my weight as a metaphor for judgment, negativity, and toxicity in my life. And first of all, this is a fat phobic thing to believe. Like before, if if anyone's listening to it and goes like, oh my God, I resonate with that. Stop, pause. Don't let yourself get attached to that because it is a common, common thing to talk about in the sort of like quasi body positivity space where people are trying to be like, yeah, you can lose weight and still be body positive um, to say like, you know, oftentimes, you know, you gain weight because like bad things are happening in your life because of trauma, because of uh, whatever, like toxicity, like no bad things happening to someone like doesn't cause weight gain directly. Like, or like being fat isn't because trauma like like that's such a reductive isn't a metaphor we're ascribing meaning to a body size yes it it, that is that is a fat phobic thing to believe 
body size and weight is really complicated and is affected by a lot of different factors. And yes, individual people will maybe experience weight gain in tough times in their life. That is something that happens, but that can't be then used as like a blanket statement to mean that like weight gain is bad because it happens when bad things are happening to you. And when you lose weight, it means that you are simultaneously by proxy healing trauma or fixing the bad stuff in your life. It does not work that way. Okay. Um, but that is one of the things that she is saying in a way to sort of like justify using weight as one of her goals because she's getting a lot of backlash about focusing on her weight so much. So she's trying to spin it as this positive of like, oh, it's not about that. It's a metaphor. But like, girl, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, so that there is that video and, um, all of the weirdness <laughs> of that and the confusion and the cognitive dissonance. So now we're going to move on to the final video that she made um, that I watched this through twice, uh, once on Friday and once right before recording today, which is why I needed an extra 10 minutes because I finished I'm so sorry. taking final notes on it and was like, oh, I need to take some deep breaths. <laughs> um, but it was really interesting. <laughs> and I do remember this video when it came out and, Blogilates had not been on my radar for a few years at this point. So when this video got a lot of buzz, I was like, ooh, interesting. And I watched it and was like, oh, good thing I don't follow her anymore. Um, so this also came out in 2019. So at this point, I personally was like fully on board with like health at every size, the fat acceptance movement, the anti-diet movement. So I was no longer in any kind of like fence sitting position. Um, but Cassie still is. Um, I don't know why I kind of brought my own perspective into it, but it's because I saw this video when it came out. So it's called Body Positivity, the documentary, and it's 25 minutes long. And it's very interesting for a lot of reasons. One, it does bring up a lot of really interesting and accurate info about the body positivity movement, about the world of plus size modeling. Uh, there's a lot of really accurate and interesting stuff in it. But it's framed in such a weird way. Like the way that she uses each piece of information to prove her point is so strange and interesting to me. So I'll kind of take us through it. So she starts off by um, kind of voicing her frustrations with being associated with body positivity because it's not a label that she ever gave herself basically in like 2014 2015 when she started talking about insecurities and body image she those videos started going viral she was getting written up about in like magazines online publications and then when the word body positivity in like 2015 2016 started to like become a part of like the cultural vocabulary people started using it to describe her people were describing her as like a body positive pilates instructor because she doesn't have a six-pack because she talks about her insecurities blah 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 and then as the online body positivity movement progressed became even more mainstream, thus becoming more whitewashed. And then the backlash to that process started to happen where people started saying like, no, this is not for thin, conventionally <laughs> attractive 
women um, who actually do fit into the body ideal, even if it's not like the most hyper specific version of it, it is for marginalized people. So she was starting to get backlash around that and was like, what is going on? Like I never decided to become a part of this movement. People are saying it's like problematic that I am a part of it, quote unquote. And so she actually went and did some really good research. She, in this video, talks about the history of the body positive movement, um, how it's connected to like the fat liberation movement. She talks about the history of like the first like fat activists um, and does so in a very non-judgmental and positive way way like she's not sneering at it she's not saying like uh like look at how weird this is she's stating it in her normal like positive like soft smile like these are the facts of how this movement developed and seems to like have personal positive feelings about the concept of body positivity and the body positive movement in general because I think she really genuinely does believe it is good when people like themselves (laughs) you know that that is something that she genuinely believes it is good when people like their bodies So body positivity in her understanding of what it means is a good thing. But she was very confused about why she was getting all of this backlash to it. So she did that research and I think it was some really good research. She also interviews some people. She interviews the CEO and founder of The Body Positive, which is an organization that I don't know a whole lot about. I think I follow them on Instagram I'm not, I I don't know much about them as an organization. It is interesting though, because the CEO, she's a straight sized woman. Um, So that, that I thought was interesting and sort of indicative of the body positive movement in general as, as it stands today. Um, And this video only came out three years ago. So I kind of lump it into today as well. Ooh. Yeah. Interjection. um, The uh, bio um, Mm -hmm. for the body positive is uh tbp is a nonprofit that helps people overcome conflicts with their bodies to lead hmm. happier lives okay yes so this I feel like that in and of itself kind of represents the garbled messaging yes we'll do a a more in-depth episode about like body positivity and the movement and whatever but basically body positivity the body positivity movement is like a sociopolitical movement that's meant to address like anti-fat bias in like institutions so like in healthcare, job discrimination housing it's not meant to focus on like individuals experiences with body image but with the popularity of the movement growing over the past few years most people's understanding of it has kind of turned into that which makes sense because the phrase body positivity sounds like it would mean feeling positive about my body it's but a that's bad not really branding move (laughs) yeah it is confusing I totally get that but for the purpose of this discussion ableism and racism and anything systemic that allows people to be discriminated against based on how their body appears which exactly to a certain extent I can empathize with Cassie on this because uh, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about this Carolyn but Mm -hmm. often when people talk to me about my presence online they'll be like I love your stuff I love how your body positive and I'm like who like that's always such a thing to me where I'm like I would you and I as people who create content that talks about you know being anti-diet culture and talks about liberation for all bodies and addresses things like weight stigma and accessibility and fitness like we are not inherently we are not body positivity creators because we're still 
thin white. Yeah. Like the way I see it for myself is that I, I align myself professionally with the values of the body positivity movement, meaning that Mm -hmm. I like agree with a movement that wants to address anti-fat bias and like end discrimination of people based on like the size, shape, ability, et cetera, of their bodies. But like, me and my relationship with my own body has nothing to do with body positivity. Like the journey that I went on to heal my body image a few years ago was not a body positive journey. So like I am body positive in that I support that movement and I see the world from a body positive. Yeah. And I see the world and the fitness industry from a body positive framework, but it has nothing to do with me as a person. It has to do with the world. So that that's what we want you to understand about body positivity right now. And, and to bring this and back she, to blogilates, I think yeah. that that's part of why it's so important to be specific with language to mm-hmm. for us to show up in the space and be like, hey, today we're talking about positive body image or we're talking about, you know, food accessibility or something like that rather than just labeling everything sort of vaguely body positive because that's yes. when you get into trouble. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and that's the thing because she's never described herself as body positive. She wasn't saying like, let's be body positive ladies. Like that was not her brand. That was something that like online publications put on her because it was a popular word. Um, and, and she actually does mention that it is a like socio-political movement. Like she gives an accurate definition at the top of the video of what, the body positive movement is and what its goals are. But then it quickly declines. Like it starts so good. And then once it gets into the interviews, it, it totally loses the plot. I got so confused because all of a sudden she's interviewing the, yeah, the head like the CEO of the body positive who says some nice things like who knows exactly what she said and what Cassie cut out to put in the video so it starts with that sort of like continuing to like define body positivity and then the next interview is with um let me see uh oh like a plus size fashion blogger named uh Simone Mariposa who seems absolutely lovely and I want to go follow her now um but so starts in your interviewing her and just talking like she's just not saying anything revolutionary, just kind of talking about who she is and how she got into the concept of body positivity and like plus size fashion blogging just gives a little bit about her personal story. And then it transitions into an interview with a plus size model whose name I forgot to write down. But when it gets to this interview, it feels like the whole discussion has been completely derailed and has pivoted from body positivity to double standards and issues in the plus size modeling industry. And she spends the next few minutes talking about this, which is a very important topic, uh, but it's not what the video claims to be about. Like, what does this have to do with the body positivity movement? So she says that like plus size models often have to wear padding, that they have to have like a thin face and neck and like the right type of curves. Um, It's basically pointing out that there's like also an unfair beauty standard even within the plus fashion world like it it's not just that thin is the beauty standard and plus size fashion breaks out of that like beauty standards are more complicated than that and there is a beauty standard within plus size fashion I agree with this 
this is something that needs to be talked about. What does it have to do with the body positivity movement? Those are um, all like worthy <laughs> topics, but you devalue everything so much when you conflate them. Like, and, and I that's think not a long it video. That's purpose- 25 minutes. It's 25 minutes. I think this is a purposeful kind of not red herring. Um, I don't, I don't know what exactly the word is, but I think this is purposeful that she is shifting the conversation to be about something related, but ultimately different to take it away from her that like, it's no longer about people criticizing me about my lack of body positivity. Let's instead talk about double standards in the plus fashion world. See, I'm not, I'm not the only problem. Let's talk about this problem. Um, and, and I, and she does it so slickly that you almost don't even notice. It's so interesting. I was watching this video, like from a media analysis standpoint. So that's why, yeah. Anyway, I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it. To what she does with her criticism, with her bad comments, where she reframes all of her criticism as bullying by only addressing that, to address like the issue in the plus size fashion world. Oh my God. If that's like a separate world no one knows about, and that she's not also affected by those standards and they're part of the same insidious whole. Like, she has a weird um, metric for. It's like. Yeah, what? It's like in the one instance where it seems like she's about to start taking personal accountability for her role in all of this, that is the time that she decides to address more systemic issues in a big industry. But not the industry she's a part of. No, of course not. It's like a distraction. So so anyway, um, she continues um, to kind of talk about that and then like pivots that conversation about like the modeling industry to make a statement about the fact that body positivity as like a concept and a movement has become very commercialized, which is accurate. Um, and talks about how like the airy real campaign, um, is like an example of the success of that, that like airy saw huge bumps in their stocks and like, um, in their sales when they did that airy real campaign and stopped photoshopping their models and had more diversity in their models, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then for the rest of the video, she basically spends it just defending her weight loss journey again. She, she again points out the bullying and the negative things that are said about her. She talks about how genuinely like surprised and shocked he was when her fans, the people who generally support her were not supportive of her weight loss journey. She says, quote, This journey was supposed to be for me, but there were many times when I questioned if I had committed brand suicide because she was getting backlash about it. And it's like, ooh, that's so interesting because it's like, it's like I'm willing to like, I'm I'm sticking to my guns and like sticking to my values and prioritizing myself, even if my business suffers. But it's like, is that what you're doing? Because I think you decided to do this challenge from the standpoint of believing that it would be a beneficial business decision for you, that you would be able to sell stuff because you're going through this challenge. So it's like in hindsight, she's doing this little mental switcheroo. 
It's very much like what we talked about in the 75 hard episode where we talked about how these things spread on social media because when you give people like a start date and end date and a set of repetitive steps, like you can have check-ins on every day about how it's going and were mm-hmm. you successful or will you not? Like when you were churning out content for 12 years, you need a deeper well to pull from. So yeah. this, it's It for gives her me, 90 like, days of blog posts. Yes. And then the year follow up when she has to do that. And then the new journal to keep up with this version of the challenge. And then if it worked great, then she can sell it. If it quote unquote didn't work great, then she's got fodder for the next 90 day challenge. Mm -hmm. Like to Mm -hmm. she. Oh, gosh, it's such a clear. I'm being super speculative here, so forgive me. But I feel like if you got Cassie to sit down and like write out everything in her life, it would be very difficult for her to delineate what is personal and what is brand. Yes, yes. And I think we can speculate on this because we see a lot of ourselves in Cassie. You know, we work in the same industry. We look similar to her you know we are both white but we are also both thin women working in the fitness industry who have at some point in our careers and maybe continue to feel subjected to a very rigid beauty and body standard that is upheld for fitness professionals like just being thin is not enough you also have to be like muscular and ripped and toned but not too big and these are pressures that we have also felt and had to do our own internal work to deal with and like all of this cognitive dissonance and this weird like explaining away and circular arguments that she keeps fitting into these videos these are all conversations I remember having with myself in my own head. So I don't think it's that far of a jump for us to speculate in this way because I think we've kind of been through this, just not with as big of an audience or with as much on the line professionally. Yeah, I mean, I've had entire weeks ruined by like mean comments I got online. And it, I, yeah. you build up a certain callousness to it, but I mean, our audiences are point zero 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 one percent of what Cassie is tackling so I can't imagine that doesn't affect you psychologically um yeah not even in like a she's sick way just in like a that's a, a tremendous toll that takes a toll so and then also I wonder about we talk about celebrities sometimes which like Carolyn and I both have experience with existing in public spaces putting our face behind opinions dealing with trolls dealing with negative feedback but neither of us have experience with celebrity and they say that your development if you want to call it that is sort of frozen at the age when you became famous and I think Mm. to a certain extent when you reach a level of success and notoriety for thinking a certain way those pathways in your brain become sealed in a way when you're rewarded for a certain pattern of thought and behavior it becomes three times as difficult as it is for a normal person to pivot or to grow specifically yeah yeah I I think that's a really great point that like there's probably actual like brain science things that make it even harder for her to change her beliefs and grow mentally around these kinds of things because of the massive level of success that she has achieved um at various yeah, points like in her life I think that's pathways, so true right think yeah, about how much yeah. reward she's accrued for thinking this way how what constant validation she's receiving along with all the hatred and bullying and mm-hmm. negative feedback like you but have then, to 
take a pick a position at some point. Yeah. But then, you know, we were, you know, not trying to give her an out here. We're explaining why we think maybe she has not been very good at moving on from these problematic beliefs. But the fact of the matter is she continues to harm people because of it, because it like, because she continues to perpetuate anti-fat bias in the fitness industry, no matter how much, how many smiles and cheesy pop songs she puts over top of it, it is still continuing to harm people. And so that's why we think it's important to talk about so that you as the listener can make a decision of whether you have the like mental fortitude to interact with her content or not. Cause if you really like her videos, that's great. But I will say with all the work I've done on myself, mentally, emotionally, and with how confident and strong I feel in my beliefs after watching about six hours of her content on Friday, oh God. I had some weird body image stuff this weekend it affected me like thoughts that I have seriously not thought in years came back because of listening to her talk about her body in that way and, and say the things that she was saying. And I was not watching it from the perspective of someone trying to learn new information or consume content for entertainment or like I was not her target audience. I was watching it from the perspective of someone trying to critically analyze her content. And it still had a mental effect on me that I could not control. So uh, like you just got to be careful about what you watch. And, and if you think that the things that she it supports is problematic or the message that she has is problematic, I would recommend interacting with it as little as possible. Yeah. I, I think too, part of the reason we are so, <laughs> I'm looking for a, a gentle word. I was going to say enraged and that might not be the, uh, right word. Part of the reason this is so specifically frustrating is that, mm. and interrupt me, Caroline, because I don't want to speak for both of us. Sure. But the thing that I value most about Cassie, the thing that I, the the biggest green flag about her, the thing that I think is absolutely amazing, is because of her approach, because of her because of the voice of her content, she is probably responsible for getting so many thousands of people moving simply because she made it seem easy and approachable and friendly. And I Absolutely. think that is so value. I valuable. I think that that has probably added a tremendous amount of value to a lot of people's lives. Yeah, the, I agree. The bone I have to pick with that is that when you are positioning yourself as a trustworthy person when you are sort of a, a launch pad for people who are maybe beginners, who are new to fitness, who are curious about this kind of stuff, when you are then feeding them a steady IV drip of shame-based coaching, um, unethical uh methods I'd say like when when you are doing all the harmful things we've talked about her doing when you are saying whispering that sweetly directly into the ears of people who are maybe not in a place to critically analyze what they're consuming that's really really tricky that's a yeah. that's a tough spot you're not talking to bodybuilding competitors and giving them diet tips you're talking to like people who are 
really pedestrian consumers of fitness um, or who just like you and enjoy your blog and you could be setting them off on a really, really bad path by not examining mm-hmm. these insidious thoughts within yourself. Yeah. And, and with that kind of reach, she could have the power to really positively influence a lot of people if she ever decided to take on like a body neutral anti-diet message. If she taught her exact same workouts without talking about toning or slimming or fat blasting, Oh my God, the difference that that could make for so many people, because while she is still in this kind of limbo of trying to figure out how to square body image with weight loss and blah, 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 she's keeping other people there with her because for Mm. a lot of people in her audience, she's probably the only or one of the only voices in the fitness industry that they're listening to. So she has so much influence not over people like you and I but like you said over just like the average fitness consumer and like yeah there's lots of people like us spreading a better message than she is but our reach is so much smaller and so that's why it's so frustrating when these really influential people like Cassie who have had the opportunity to learn and have done a lot of the research and have almost gotten there just stay in that place where they are continuing to perpetuate harmful messages, but just masking that harm with like a positive attitude and a smile. Like fat phobia and diet culture are still just as harmful if you say it nicely. And, and like that, that is the problem here is that she's saying it so nicely and it's so inviting and accepting and has this like veneer of positivity and empowerment, but at its core, it's still just diet culture and fat phobia and so it it's keeping people in that cycle of like I want to feel good about myself and I think if I do this I'll feel good about myself but it's it's just the same stuff that makes them feel bad about themselves so um I I know you probably want to say something but I do want to get through the rest of this and we'll we'll keep talking (laughs) we'll keep talking um so in this video as we continue through it so she says Um, again, that this journey was supposed to be for me, but there were many times where I questioned if I had committed brand suicide. So the, the next thing she does, like right after making that statement is compares the backlash that she has received, um, to that of plus size models and influencers when they lose weight and like lose some support from their audience, which like, those are two completely different things. I'm not even going to go into the details of that. Like maybe we can talk about that on another episode, but like comparing her situation to that, like apples and oranges, those are not the same thing. Um, and so then she goes on to interview a, a yoga instructor and influencer called nourished Natasha, who is a plus size woman, um, who decided to like, who actually reached out to Cassie, um, like privately because she, she had been wanting to do her own personal transformation, basically go on a weight loss journey, but was scared of getting the same type of backlash that, um, that Cassie received. And to that, I say, so then don't post about it. Just do it. If like, you don't have to post about it. The backlash doesn't usually doesn't just come from people noticing that you happen to be a little bit smaller. Some people do get backlash for that. Yes. But the backlash that you were talking about that Cassie received came from her posting about it and making it 
content and making it a part of her business. So I'm like, just don't do that part. Um, but anyway, she didn't do that part until the very end when she did post a transformation photo. And guess what happened? She received backlash. Guess what wouldn't have happened if she never posted that transformation photo? She probably wouldn't have received backlash. But to me, this just speaks so clearly to the fact that no matter how much we want to claim that a person can go on a weight loss journey just for themselves, so often in order to feel like they actually did it, they need external validation. And so it's like, is it really for yourself if you need validation and support from other people in in order to think that it was good or that it even happened in the first place. But anyway, that might be a little bit of a controversial statement. Uh, Maybe I'll be answering for that in a future episode. But anyway, to continue, um, is similar to Cassie's messaging. This woman, Natasha, said that her goal was to get stronger and like heal from binge eating, which like awesome, but why do you need a before and after picture? Continuing. Um, basically this video overall, this 25 minute documentary, it, it, an underlying assumption of it that's never like stated explicitly, but it frames weight loss as something you can just choose to do. And that all of these like people she's interviewing have simply just made the personal choice to be plus size. Uh, Like, Again, that's never stated outright, but that's like that that's like a part of the assumptions here. Um it and it doesn't take into account that actually losing weight is for most people like complicated and challenging and often not even possible. Um so I thought that was interesting and it focuses like we've talked about not on the more systemic forces at play, but it focuses on quote like the idea that like shaming people for losing weight is bad, which I don't think is a controversial statement to make. I think we can all agree that shaming someone for desiring weight loss and even pursuing it is not good. Like shaming people for what they do with their body isn't good, but that's not what the no, problem is here. It's a shitty thing to do. It's a <laughs> shitty thing to do. No one is arguing that's that. That's not what she's being criticized for. That's an, exactly. Exactly. <sighs> she's not being criticized for wanting to I lose weight. Go ahead. It's also telling to me that, I mean, I I think I might follow Simone Mariposa. And I'm not saying I'm the arbiter of who gets to be involved mm-hmm. in body positivity advocacy or whatever. But I think it is telling that she picked models and influencers to talk mm-hmm. to. And I'm not seeing any of the big names who are commonly... Um, associated with body positive forward well I think a lot of them denied gladly would have sat down with Cassie well I know that she was denied some interview requests you think they wouldn't get on that platform she does talk specifically about how there was a um like a body positive like cartoonist or like artist who like denied being interviewed because she was like I don't think my like fat liberationist values align with the type of video that you're trying to make so I, I think truly she found the people Fair. that kind of already agree with her or at least the point that she is trying to make in this video. So um, anyway, moving on. The things that this video doesn't do is that it doesn't discuss the harm. It, so it, it talks about the harms of shaming people for wanting to lose weight, but it doesn't talk about the harms of celebrating weight loss, of the 
um, of the likelihood of being able to achieve weight loss in a healthy way. It doesn't talk about why the cultural uh, pressure to lose weight is so significant. So there's a lot missing in the conversation in this pretty long video. Um, she says, it's crazy how people to, who claim to be all about body positivity can be so negative. And I think that's the core of it here, that she doesn't actually care to uh, actually understand body positivity and why it's important and how it applies to her and what she does. She's all about like, does it sound positive or negative? The main thing that she said about Simone is that she was so nice. So there you have it. Uh, there you have it. it, it it's, it's more like, personal feelings over actually acknowledging any external pressures whatsoever that people yes. are criticizing her for her personal weight loss rather than criticizing her for building a platform where she sells this to other people without acknowledging that her circumstances are not universal. Yes. It's not criticizing her for wanting to lose weight. It's criticizing her for the harm she's perpetuating by sharing that weight loss journey with so much detail. Um, but of course she doesn't differentiate that out. Like being, positive having a positive attitude is not the point and what I would want to just like shake her shoulders and tell her is that criticism because someone is perpetuating anti-fatness is not being negative like oh it's just so frustrating ah. um but <laughs> but anyway um she then moves on to she then moves on to discuss the question of can you want to lose weight and be body positive and maybe this is something we can dive into more on our opinions on it in the future but i will just say that basically all all of the people in the video agreed with her that yes you can want to lose weight. You can pursue weight loss and be body positive. Our personal opinions on that don't matter now. Um, so basically, <laughs> it's an interesting video, but it's not about body positivity. Ugh. The intro starts about it. It gives the definition of body positivity, talks about the history of it. But the rest of the video is not about body positivity at all. It's like she did um, all that research, but she had her hands over her ears and she was like, la, 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 la. Like... Yeah. Then what was the yeah, point? Like, of so anyway, into now it? let's talk about yeah, like let's talk about the things I actually want to talk about. <sighs> um and it and so it really to me, after watching it twice, um, well, watching it once in 2019 and then watching it twice this past week, it seems like she made this video to just further justify her own desire for weight loss and her decision to share it publicly for her business. Um, she then talks about how she pulls her Instagram audience about like, can you lose weight and be body positive? Surprise. They also all agree with her, which makes sense because it's her audience. Um, and the conclusion of the video is basically, this is at least what I interpreted from it. If I can't be body positive while also pursuing weight loss, or if I can't be, if I can't consider myself body positive while also pursuing weight loss and documenting it on my massive platform, then I don't want to be considered body positive. So her ultimate conclusion is to distance herself from the movement, but not for the right reasons, not distance herself from it because it's a wonderful movement that I support, but it's not about and for me. I can agree with it and support it, but not center myself in it. No, her conclusion is this movement does not actually align with my values. And that's why I want to distance myself from it. She, what she's deciding is like, I'm not actually body positive because I value weight loss too much. And I think this is something that 
goes unsaid a lot when Carolyn and I are talking about these topics. Part of our frustration is that people, regardless of how you feel about weight loss, there is an invisible line in our culture drawing, uh, equating weight loss and health. And we know that's not true. So we support bodily autonomy, but we need, we need to acknowledge that the desire for weight loss is not out of a desire for health or self-improvement. It is a, I'm trying to use a word that's not morally charged. It's it's about appearance, right? And and that's yeah, to a certain it's extent, about that's aligning fine. yourself. Yeah, so this is what I talked about in my last mini episode that like often what it comes down to is that we desire weight loss because we desire aligning ourselves closer with the beauty standard because there are culturally and like materially significant outcomes from that that people who are more aligned with the beauty standard have privileges and and um and people who don't align with that standard are marginalized and experience harm because of that and so it makes sense that we would want to align ourselves with that beauty standard because it makes life easier in a lot of ways and we've been we're constantly fed messages of why it is definitely healthier and why you're a bad person if you don't do it but those things are all social constructs so we as people who already pretty well align with that beauty standard, we are very dedicated to changing that social construct so you don't have to be aligned with it in order to have access to healthcare and be respected and have fashionable clothes and all of those things. No one is wrong, bad, or weird for desiring weight loss. That's the way our society is set up. It's just that if we don't take a moment of introspection or critical thought about where those desires are coming from we run the risk of conflating Mm -hmm. body size shape appearance with all of these other factors that we're told it means rather than just going I desire weight loss because the way my body looks has an effect on the way my life is rather than exactly health or moral for someone like self-improvement yes And so for someone like Cassie, she has the power and influence to be able to either continue to perpetuate these systems and cultural beliefs that continue to perpetuate this body hierarchy, this beauty standard and anti-fat bias, or she could use her powers for good and help with the movement of chipping away at those same things of pushing back against why are these things important of dismantling the systems that make it important like we're trying to do but she has a lot more power than us which is why we are so frustrated um okay oh anyway another breathe carolyn breathe but we knew this would happen okay so um she goes on to say this is all a part of kind of like the conclusion like last few minutes of the video Uh, she goes on to say that body positivity doesn't mean accepting where you are now and staying there forever. Who said that? Um, (laughs) it means evolving your body as you evolve as a person. Change doesn't mean you hate yourself. It means you love yourself enough to put effort into growing. So again, this is just more evidence in the words she actually says herself that she still continues to like completely conflate 
the way her body looks with her worth as a person like the and and like changing the way her body looks with a self-growth journey and that's that's just at the core of her belief system at the time of making this video um so yeah I said that this is loaded equating your body with your character um and who you are it plays into um this like common critique of the body positive movement that it's giving people like permission and an excuse to just like give up and that body acceptance will lead to not taking care of yourself. Not true. Those things are not true. Not true, not true, not true. And we can maybe make future episodes discussing exactly why those, uh, critiques of the body positive movement are just completely unfounded. Um, but anyway, it's just so frustrating and confusing because she does all this research. She talks to experts and she still misses the point. She just wants to continue to be loved and supported without changing her problematic beliefs and behavior. Having the body she wants is still the most important thing to her. Um, no matter how scientifically or eloquently she talks, it's still just all about her and, and her desire for a quote-unquote perfect body. She wants body positivity to be a personal choice narrative. Um, and I want to emphasize that that is different from the concept of body autonomy. And we've kind of already explained this, that like doing what you decide to do with your body, that is body autonomy. Body positivity as a personal choice is exactly what we were talking about before, that it's ignoring all of the systemic things, the institutional things, and just making it about how do I feel about my body? And that's not what body positivity is supposed to be about. A helpful analogy might be choice feminism, where most feminists would say, I agree with, you know, whatever a woman chooses to feel empowered, but then we can't, we can't ignore outside pressures that affect why we're making those decisions um mm -hmm. I find sometimes those frameworks are helpful if you're new to maybe critically thinking about body positivity yeah yeah love that and again we will do an in-depth episode on mm -hmm. the body mm -hmm. body positivity movement we'll also do one on bodybuilding competitions um so do you want to know what videos come basically like right after this one like her next workout videos what they're called <sighs> Oh God, I've, <laughs> I'm scared. They're not Caroline. as bad. They're okay. not as it's bad as some of the other ones. an ab challenge or it's a fresh 90 day project. Pretty close. Pretty close. Um, the first one is beautiful body Pilates. <gasps> <laughs> no. <laughs> so at least she's not saying that a beautiful body has to be like toned and thin, but Based on all of her other videos, we can pretty much assume that's I mean, that's, she's that's what saying she means. by a short leap that a beautiful body has to look like it does look has to look like it does when she Pilates, does Pilates. And we know what she thinks a Pilates body looks like. So it's not no, she hasn't exactly. put it out in a sentence, but oh my and god. And then the next one is called the next one is called Beautiful Abs. <laughs> I just you can't you cannot make this up. She puts so much work into that video and then just goes right back to the same stuff she's always made. Like she keeps talking about like personal growth and change. And yet she seems to be stuck in 2011. Okay. It's just baffling to me. Um, but anyway, anyway, she then like, there's a couple other videos she makes that I think are interesting where she like does all of this like data analysis of like what, like the most um, like followed 
uh, like Instagram influencers look oh, like. I saw that. And then she does another one on like the most followed um, fitness influencers. And they're really interesting videos. She does a very detailed breakdown and analysis of the data that she finds, but there's no conclusion. Like she doesn't ever talk about how like these standards are bad. She just says that they are the standards. So it could be pretty easy if you're someone watching that to look at that as kind of an instructional video of like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is what you, this is what you need to look like in order for all in order to be popular on social media. So that's what I need to make myself look like. Um, but so what she does at the end of these videos is she either does like a computer rendering of herself, um, or actually like photoshops an image of herself to look like that ideal and still doesn't say like, this is bad. It's just like, look, I was able to make a picture of myself look like this. (laughs) I also have a, uh, a point on this that I want to handle very delicately, but I will try not to rant about I, ooh, this is, this is tough. I want to be careful here because again, like we're criticizing a woman of color. We're criticizing someone who did look very different from what we were fed as the standard for fitness influencers. But Cassie does a lot of content that underscores how she feels she deviates from the norm without acknowledging all the privileges that she does have. That is very true. That is very true. She talks a lot about how she doesn't have like the abs or the butt of a fitness influencer, but you're right. There is that lack of taking that final step to looking at where she actually stands in the grand scheme of things. Because also, guess what? The millions and millions of people who follow you also don't have the abs and butt of a fitness influencer. But when you're processing your thin uh, body image issues in front of a large, large audience... When you're saying, oh, I dislike this about myself and pointing to it and measuring it and cataloging it, what does that do to people who, quote unquote, deviate even further from that dangerous beauty standard? What does that do to them? Or who relate to you because they feel like. Yeah, or who have your body. It's. And again, like, I mean, I don't exist as a woman of color on the internet. That's a whole layer that is beyond my scope of understanding. So I want to be really careful criticizing her about this. But a big part of her brand is inhabiting the idea that she is outside of the norm, that she is an underdog, and then selling that quest towards the beauty standard when looking at this from a larger scope, she inhabits so much of the beauty standard Um, and I, I think it's damaging to not acknowledge that it's damaging to not acknowledge that privilege. You could do both. You could talk about both. Um, but she never does. Exactly. Not yet. At least not Um, yet. I have so so much hope for Cassie. Yeah. So I, I have some closing thoughts and then I guess we will finish up with just a discussion of whatever else and kind of tying it back to today. Um, but yeah, so Her hypocrisy, in my opinion, is a product of her own deep insecurities, her her internalized thin superiority, which I already mentioned. Go read that Aubrey Gordon um, essay. And her just deeply held anti-fat beliefs. 
Um, she wants to be seen as this like happy, encouraging person who's helping other people make positive change in their lives, which she was seen as for a very long time. But she refuses to change her approach to fitness in order to keep up with the changing times and the changing understanding of like what is appropriate behavior as a fitness professional. She will literally do everything but get on board with actual body positivity. Um, And she must be able to continue to publicly document her personal body transformations while being seen as a positive force for good. So she is constantly upset and confused by the backlash that she inevitably receives when she kind of keeps existing at that messy intersection. No amount of explaining will make her content less harmful. The only way, in my opinion, for her to rehabilitate her brand is to completely change the way she like names her workouts and to never do a physical transformation challenge again. But we've already talked about why that would be so challenging for her. She is a product of the 2010s fitness industry and was super successful when she started. But people are ready for something new. And if she continues to refuse to shift, she's not going to be able to continue to be successful, in my opinion. Those are my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a, I, yeah, I think you nailed it. So you had a video that she posted more recently that kind of tied into a lot of that stuff that we were talking about. So do you want to bring that up? Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think this is nothing that we haven't touched on before, so I'll keep it brief, but I do think it is a good example of sort of the cognitive dissonance, um, the it's labeled do these six things if you want to transform your body and it's a little edited video she's selling her planner her 2022 planner one work out at least 30 minutes a day two eat unprocessed foods and avoid added sugar three drink at least half your body weight pounds in fluid ounces daily four sleep at least seven to eight hours per day five focus on how you feel six have a strong why and you won't quit And it's that kind of straddling the worlds of like Mm -hmm. actually meeting people where they are and the Andy Frizzella 75 method of just follow these really arbitrary guidelines that I made up that I'm applying to the general population with no nuance or no education for how to actually implement them. And it's frustrating to watch her try to do both and sell a product at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, it's just so, it's so interesting to kind of look at her career as a whole and where she is now, because like I said, when, when she started, she was kind of considered this like renegade, like breaking the mold, offering something new. And, and because of that, she garnered an audience that wanted something different from the mainstream. But as the mainstream kind of caught up to where she was when she started, she didn't continue to grow at a fast enough rate where now she is the mainstream fitness industry. She is mainstream diet culture, like weight centric. When we talk about the mainstream fitness industry, she is a part of that. And so for her audience, I think 
that is frustrating because they they want her to do better. Like the same people that followed her are years ago are ready for something different. They have moved on. They have grown. They want something that is like mentally and physically actually like healthier than constantly chasing six pack abs. And she has not moved beyond that. And I think she's really feeling that friction. Um, and I hope she I hope this is the last 90 day challenge she ever does. I hope that after she heals this part of her past and feels like she has kind of found like redemption for that time that she like prepped for a bodybuilding competition and felt awful doing it. I hope she gets that feeling that she's looking for now and never has to transform her body again. But I'm not hopeful that that's what will (sighs) happen. Yeah. So yeah, Laura, we do you reluctantly hopeful for Cassie? Yeah. So do you recommend that our listeners uh, follow Cassie? Oh no. No no. <laughs> no. Just you know to bring this full circle on yeah. our book report here. We, would you recommend this book to a friend? <laughs> uh, no, and that's not because I think she doesn't do anything valuable. I hope we've made that clear. It's because I think that what if you're if I the sources you surround yourself with the voices that you choose to trust and to hear in your ears what the con let me rephrase that I'm trying to be tactful about this I think the content that you take in and the people that you listen to are a big part of what makes up your internal voice and from a personal perspective and from the perspective of someone who helps a lot of people learn how to communicate with their internal voice, I would never ever want our internal voices to sound like what I suspect Cassie's does. And that, Mm. so no, in good, in good faith, I would never recommend someone engage with her content in that way. Mm hmm. And I think that the good things that she still does, you know, the um, the fun workouts she puts together, playlists, you know, the encouraging motivational attitude that she has when she's teaching, she's no longer the only one offering that. And and she on the Internet. And in 2011, she was. And maybe if it was still then, I would be recommending her because she would have been miles better than the rest of the fitness industry or what you could find online but today um like I've said before like the industry has moved on or at least enough people in it have and like Laura you offer all of those things (laughs) in in your energy academy classes no it's not Pilates but a fun motivating um you know high energy environment to work out online you offer that without the diet culture instructors if you're looking for that too I'd be more than happy to recommend them but I guess my my slightly more nuanced take on that would be like if you have a blog Lottie's video that you love that you've been doing since like 2015 and that's your like comfort video like go for it I just think that taking in a steady stream of this mindset if you are looking to actively divest yourself from that mindset like that's going to be really counterproductive yeah yeah agreed all right 
Ooh, <sighs> there was a lot of research <laughs> that went into this and emotional preparation. Um, Laura, how do you feel? <laughs> I just want to share that uh, before we sat down to record this, I posted on my Instagram story and was like, hey, on the podcast today, we're talking about someone I get the most questions about ever who I've never publicly addressed because I'm scared. Um, and I asked uh, my Instagram audience to guess who they thought we were talking about. And 90% of them said Blogilates. So I hope ah, that this is yes. a, a highly anticipated episode. <laughs> oh, but amazing. I feel That's hungry. so funny. Yeah. I feel like I need a grilled cheese sandwich and a nap. Um, yeah. yeah like so let's let's leave it there. Um, it. Just a reminder that if you want to support the show, we do have a Patreon page. Patreon.com slash fitliterate. Um, and we also have um, an Instagram for the pod and an email address. If you ever want to just reach out and or there's something that you want to send us a link or a story or whatever, it's uh, Carolyn V and Laura G at gmail.com. So those are all the different places to support, follow and reach us. Um, rate we love to hear the from podcast. You. We love to hear from you. Reviews, emails, whatever. We, we love feedback. Um, so yeah, mostly we want to make a podcast that you want to listen to. And I think we're getting a little bit better every time. So just knowing, you know, what you liked, what you're looking forward to hear about, like that helps us make something good for you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Bye.